All right, welcome everyone. This is Andrew, and we're so glad that you've made it to our home church gathering. Um, I hope you're having a great Sunday morning. This is a part of the living room liturgy that we've uh, sent out to you guys. Hopefully, um, this is one of the ways that we can connect during this season when we're not uh, together like we normally are. Um, we love you guys so much. We miss seeing your faces, but we want to practice social distancing well without being isolated. So we want to hopefully have all kinds of creative ways for you to continue to worship with us, but also just connect with people. So one of the ways that we're encouraging that is we are doing Zoom prayer calls uh, every Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. Um, we've got different uh, details on our Instagram and on our website about that so you can join in with that. We also want to encourage you to um, have video conferences with your uh, Riverbend community. Stay connected that way as well. And then, of course, the Living Room Liturgy. This is a way that we are worshiping together on Sundays, even though we're not like in the same room together. So hopefully you're having a good time. You've got a good cup of coffee, and maybe you're like still in your pajamas or something like that, which would be great. Um, so different format, but really excited about this conversation today. I have with me in the room three really wonderful people from our team that I'm excited for you to have a chat with. Lauren, Brittany and Sierra. Hi, you guys. Hey, Good morning. Hello. Good to have you guys here. Thanks so much for being here. Hey, so we normally spend like all week together and we get to spend all kinds of time um, just like talking through our Sunday services and stuff like that. We haven't been having that time together. So how are you? Great. <laughs> I said earlier, it feels really nice to be getting fresh air and be out of the house with the girls just briefly. <laughs> yes yeah I for an extrovert like me this is not my best time I'm sure all you introverts are loving it but I am not but I, I totally it's been good rest it's been a good little break um but excited to like dive into the ways that we get to connect through technology mm -hmm. so yeah, so good. Yeah, I know. It has been a little strange for me because we are communicating a lot more over text and voice memo, but it's so good to see your smiling faces. Yeah. How are you, Sierra? Are you guys practicing social distancing well? Are you like staying away from like public places and all of that? Happily. Yeah. Sierra and I actually have been doing yoga pants pod or conference <laughs> calls <laughs> every day. Every single day. Yeah. I've been loving it. Yeah, it's been honestly awesome. I've been spending a lot of time doing music with my brothers, which is fun. They're pushing me outside of my comfort zone and getting me to sing, so Good. I love it. Oh, that's <laughs> awesome. Well, that's another way we can worship too. So um, remember, this is just an opportunity for us to grow in our discipleship to Jesus. Church is not a building or a 90-minute event. It is a family, and there's all kinds of different ways that we can worship together. In fact, we've got another special podcast coming out on that in just a couple of days. So we are going to launch into a teaching from the scriptures because we need to anchor our hope in Jesus today. So why don't you open with us to Ephesians chapter 3 and we're going to get started. So if you're just joining us or if you're sort of new to Riverbend, we are in a series in Ephesians where we are talking about um, just the, the victory of Jesus and the power and the authority of Jesus. Um, and if you recall in chapter 1, verses 9 and 10, um, we learn that the mystery of Christ has been revealed, that the end game, God's end game is to unite everything in heaven and on earth under Christ. And so um, that's like the the picture that we're looking forward to. And in, in today's passage, we're like just taking that conversation even further. So let's do this. Let's read through the passage. But before we do that, um, Lauren, will you please pray for us? Yeah, absolutely. 
Uh, Jesus, we just thank you so much for the gift that it is to just dive into conversation about your scripture. God, thank you that you are with us, that you speak through your word. Um, and we are just so grateful for the opportunity that this is. And so, God, I just pray that you would, by the power of your spirit, begin to just extend grace to us as we um, nuance this out. And as those are who are listening, I just pray that there would be um, just a sense of your presence, God, and new life being spoken into their hearts um, in this conversation. So we just ask that you'd be with us, and we pray these things in your name. Amen. 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 Okay, so Ephesians 3, 1 through 6. For this reason, I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus, for the sake of you Gentiles, surely you have heard about the administration of God's grace that was given to me for you, that is, the mystery made known to me by my revelation, as I have already written briefly. In reading this, then, you will be able to understand my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was not made known to people in other generations as it is now been revealed by the Spirit of God's holy apostles and prophets. The mystery is that through the gospel, the Gentiles are heirs together with Israel, members together of one body, and shares together in the promise in Christ Jesus. Awesome. Thank you. So this is this is such a powerful passage, and we're going to have a lot of opportunity to talk about it. The, I remember the end goal is that we'd actually live this out together. We don't want to just talk about the scriptures and remain unchanged. So let's talk about what these verses mean, and then let's dive into how we live this out together. So starting with verse 1, let's go just line by line. So for this reason, I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus, for the sake of you Gentiles. So I don't know if we've talked about this yet, you guys, but um, Paul, as he's writing this letter, is in prison, which is absolutely crazy, especially when you take into consideration everything that he's been saying up until this point, right? He's been ranting about the immeasurable power and authority of Jesus, and yet he's in prison. So he's talking about how God is, has all of this victory, but he's in, he's in chains. He's locked up. So what does that tell us about Paul's attitude towards hardship and towards suffering? Yeah, something I wrote down yesterday was even under arrest, he still maintained his firm belief that God was in control of all that happened to him. And I love holding on to that truth. And it's not one of those everything happens for a reason type things that we right. that are not helpful to hear. Right. Um, but just inviting God into that space and being used in that way. I know we say, and I could be totally off. This is my thought in this verse. Um, we say, use me and it can be a really scary thing. But Paul said, use me and he's being used. And he was like, this is what I'm going to do with this time. And I know that you're here, I guess is the blanket answer for that for me. Yeah, that's so good. So yeah, Paul is, um, you know, in prison for the gospel. He's been going around and sharing this good news about Jesus, and he's maintaining that it's good news, and he's maintaining that Jesus has all authority, and yet at the same time is in prison. So that's a that's a really really uh, good point, Brittany. And um, yeah, he's not just he's really internalized these truths. So it's not as though he's pretending like there isn't hardship or suffering. It's very real for him in extremely tangible ways. As uh, he's restricted from moving around like like normal, um, and he's actually facing um, possibly even the death penalty, and yet he remains so um, so committed to and um, and so excited about really the authority and the power of Jesus. So isn't that inspiring? Talk to me about how that is inspiring to you guys. 
Yeah, I think for me, um, what I just was so caught by was the fact that um, like this was what Paul was called to from the beginning. Like he knew his calling when he was saved was to unite both Jews and Gentiles into one church. Yes. And so him writing this letter to the Gentiles in Ephesus um, from a place in chains, like first of all, that just shows like how far he was willing to go to live out the calling that Christ put on his life. Yes. Um, and to, that was what was inspiring to me. That's what caused me to question like what has God put passion in my heart for mm -hmm. um, whether it's people who are on the outside like especially in our current climate like there are so many people on the margins whether yes. it be like racially or whatever like that's just a big part of where I feel like God's mm. put a passion in my heart and like seeing how Paul walked that out even from a place in prison mm -hmm. like how far am I willing to go yeah you know? yeah that's so good you bring up a great point so um, Paul's gonna get into it here in the next couple of verses but he his particular calling from God as an apostle to the gospel of Jesus Christ was to share the gospel to Gentiles which is really strange given Paul's sort of upbringing. Remember, he was a Pharisee before he became a Jesus follower. He was um, like basically a Jewish nationalist, was probably brought up under some prejudicial sort of ideology. And yet in his next life or this life as an apostle, he's going to these places and speaking to these people that he would he would pre he was previously prejudiced towards and maybe even racist towards. And he is sharing the good news about Jesus and saying we're actually all meant to be a part of one family yes that's outstanding that's incredible yeah so okay good and now the the other thought that before we move on to verse two because you just you made an, uh, an awesome point about how far are we willing to go to sort of like rebuild um um some uh you know broken uh broken relationship and things like that so i want to talk to you guys about that in a minute but before we move on this move on from this point that paul was in prison um, is it, just that, you know, we are living in this very unique moment where we're all basically spending most of our time at home. Um, we're, we're not like some of us, I've actually heard from a lot of you this week who've actually been laid off from work. And so you've got all kinds of time. This is, of course, this is not what any of us would have chosen for ourselves, but here we find ourselves in a really unique moment where all of our rhythms are completely and totally changed. And when Paul was in prison, he could have, I don't know, written a letter to a petition to be released because he was wrongfully in prison. He could have done any number of things, but he took the opportunity to write a letter to the Ephesians and then also to a, a, a bunch of other churches during this time. So just like it made me think about this simple question, like with COVID-19, with social distancing, with the fact that our rhythms are totally messed up, what creative opportunities do we have um, and uh, to do things that we wouldn't ordinarily have time for? Yeah, I love that question. Um, for me, I think I've been more intentional. So Sundays are very busy. I want to hug all 400 people and their kids who yes. walk in. But I've been able to just connect more with my serve teams and who are just amazing people, and I really miss seeing them. Um and then also just observe my children more. I've loved sitting, like I don't get to sit and watch them learn. And so having them do book studies on their favorite like story in the Bible and then having them do a book report on their favorite animal and just like getting to experience them and like what God's doing them and how he's flourishing them mm -hmm. and watching them like do their book report. It's just, yeah. I don't know. I see 
a lot of, um, I'm getting to sit and rest and experience what it is that God's doing with that time too. Right. Being kind of forced to sit back and be intentional, which has been really good. And it's interesting how hard it is for us to sit and rest with him. Like we can say we're going on a nature walk or we can a prayer walk or whatever, but I know that I'll get distracted and I'll like prayer walk to a coffee shop and then <laughs> the prayer time's over because I yeah. see someone I love and then I, you know, so anyways, um, that's just a way that I've spent that time and experienced it. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, I kind of love this cheesy comparison (laughs) Um, because it really is true. Like it just shows Paul understood um, that there was purpose for that time in prison and he used it as an opportunity. Yes. And it's the same thing for us today. Like you can view it as like isolation and kind of feel bad for yourself or you can view it as an opportunity to reflect on where you're at in life. And maybe it is a job change. Maybe it is relational things that you haven't got around to in a while that you kind of know you should. I know some things like that for me. So just taking the time to evaluate your life in a way that you haven't in a while is so powerful. Man, that's so helpful. And so what I'm hearing you guys say is just about like being really present to the moment that we're in. And we can be uh, so focused on like living in the future or living like two weeks from now. Uh, focused on other things, but this has like brought us radically to the very present moment. And it may look different for each of us. I know what you're saying, I can really relate to Brittany, where um, you actually have more time with your kids and you actually are, now you're sort of homeschooling and working mm-hmm. with us. So you've got a lot to sort of juggle, but you're um, playing a different role in the life of your kids right now. So rather than, um, and I appreciate how you're how you're responding to that, how you're reacting to that, rather than seeing that as, um, a nuisance or or uh, or anything like that you're actually taking it as a time to be intentional with your kids and actually see that as a gift and i also relate to what you're saying too sierra and i I think it's a a really valuable thing to say what have what have been the things that i've sort of been maybe putting off or not really fully present to um that now all i had all of a sudden i have time to to prepare i know that for me i'm normally spending about 15 or 20 hours a week preparing a sermon and we, we've been preparing for this this week but it's a, it looks a little bit different um, a lot of my normal workflow has been changed and I'm already starting to see um, yeah some of the stress that I've been carrying that I wasn't even really fully present to is now coming to the surface and with this sort of forced pause of of not having gatherings and and being um, you know self-quarantined to our homes like all of a sudden I have all of this new time and space to explore a deeper question about what's going on inside of me that I haven't really had a chance to. So good. <laughs> all together but, now. <laughs> that was good timing. We just love you. Yeah. But um and then but I love the I love the also the creative ideas of like of of like taking this as an opportunity to like when was the last time you wrote a handwritten letter to someone in your family? Like and then that we have time to do that now. Um, you know, um, there's, there's also like other things like, um, we want to share different resources with you. There's one, uh, website called biblicaltraining.org, which is basically a free online seminary. It's like, you can take hours and hours and hours of courses on like just learning the scriptures and you can, you know, if, especially if you find yourself with way more time on your own, rather than just like melting your brain, watching Netflix, you can do something super productive with your time. So good. Awesome. Any other thoughts on that before we move on? 
Um, I would just encourage, like, even in this time, Sierra, we had talked even before we started recording about how, like, you guys, well, I don't know, it might be in the podcast. I don't remember if this was before. But um, you were saying, like, you've really dived into, like, music with your family. Like, I just, I would encourage, like, even if you don't think you're creative, like, you are. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Even if you're like, I'm a numbers person. I don't do creativity. (laughs) Like, I don't sing or I don't whatever. Like, I don't paint that doesn't mean you're not creative. Like we're all made in the image of God who is a creative God. And so like really spend this time diving deep into like what those things might look like and spend time cultivating it. Like I was so inspired by even you sharing that. So yeah, I love that. And it can be, yeah, like you're saying anything. I know cooking is one too that can just like now cooking can be fun instead of just a means to an end. Like maybe take your time, add a little seasoning. (laughs) Crazy. Oh, that's great. No, it's so good. Right on. Well, let's keep moving because there's a lot more we want to cover here. Verse two, surely you have heard about the administration of God's grace that was given to me for you. That is the mystery made known to me by revelation as I have already written briefly. Okay. So there's a lot happening. Some of those are sort of like Bible words that we don't normally use in our everyday sort of vernacular. So could you guys help us sort of decode this? What is this? What is this saying? about the administration of God's grace that was given to me. What's that all about? Yeah, the word used in the ESV, which is what I'm reading out of, is uh, steward. Like, uh, yeah, heard of the stewardship of God's grace that was given to me. And so being a steward is like you're kind of in charge of it in a way. You have ownership of it. And he trusts, he's given it to you, trusting that you know what to do. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I'd say even it's almost like a responsibility. Like when we think of like stewarding our money, it's like a responsibility of stewarding our body and like what we eat, how we take care of it, like stewarding the gifts and the grace that God has given us. Like what does that even, you know, like how are we being responsible for the gifts that God has given us through his spirit? Sure. Yeah, no, that's that's exactly right. Thank you, Lauren. So what's going on here is that Paul is describing the, the gifts that God has been has given him by the Spirit. So it's, it talks about like a special grace that was given to him. And that special grace was, um, yeah, gifts from the Spirit. Remember, Paul was like filled with this extraordinary power. Um, he was an apostle. And so he would go from town to town and he would do everything. He would preach the gospel. He'd launch churches in all these different places. He taught. He wrote books of the Bible. He healed people. He spoke prophetically. He had all of these incredible gifts gifts that came from the spirit and it was really unique to him like um and so everywhere he went um he was uh, sort of revered and looked up to um but he's saying here that you guys know about you guys you guys know me you guys know my life you know the things that god has given me but really honestly those gifts that special grace that's been given to me it's actually for the good of everyone else it's for the good of others and that to me is such a refreshing reminder that yeah we have been given uh, gifts from the Holy Spirit. I want to talk to you girls about the gifts that God has given you, um, but also like the gifts that we have, they're actually for the good of everyone else. They're not actually for us to like take pride in necessarily or like for our own benefit. For their, They're for the benefit of others. So let's talk a bit about that. Um, um, let's just talk about you guys and in the areas where you feel like God has gifted you. Of course, I could speak to that um, because I'm so um, just like grateful that you guys are on our team. But how, how has God gifted you? And then how can you see that this verse is true, that it's actually for the good of others? 
I'm a two, so you're going to have to tell me my gift. <laughs> <laughs> so if you're unfamiliar with Enneagram, if you're unfamiliar with Enneagram, Brittany is a two on the Enneagram, which is a helper. Also, my wife Grace is a two. Um, and yeah, no, we see all kinds of gifts in you. So yeah, I will take this moment and I'm going to <laughs> affirm you. So Brittany um, is, uh, you have this extraordinary uh, hospitality gift, like just to make everyone around you feel really warm and loved and connected. Um, and that's just a, that's a huge gift. You also have like a, a leadership capacity that when we first met you, we weren't really sure like what your leadership capacity was, but we've found over these years that the more leadership that God has given you in Riverbend, mm -hmm. you've just flourished in it and you've totally excelled. So that's just to, just to get things started, but there's Thank so many you. more things that we see too. Well, so thank you so much for that because it's hard sometimes I sit back and I'm like, I'm just doing what I, I'm supposed to do, right? Um, my wheels were turning, talking about this verse in regards to being a stewardship. So I steward my children with the God-given gifts that they're my gift, but I'm stewarding them with how God's... Um, like not raising, raising me is not the right word, mm -hmm. but I turned to him to raise my children. Mm -hmm. So where I've seen that play out that I never thought would happen is when the girls started talking about the goodness of God, the good news on the playground. Right. And then I get a phone call from Ruby, sweet little Ruby in kindergarten, who's pretty soft-spoken. Lola's the I've arrived person. <laughs> um, but Ruby is just like, do you know Jesus is in your heart? And a parent was had some questions. So then I got to talk to, I went in and had a meeting with Ruby's teacher. And um, I felt God so much in that moment because I felt like, oh my gosh, what if I ruin this? But just as Paul is telling the good news and exactly what God's giving him from shambles. I'm not in shambles and that's such a gift. I get to show up to those hard personalities or those questionable personalities and, and use my leadership skills to answer those questions mm -hmm. and use the obviously like there's something that her teacher saw in me and her teacher's not a believer. She saw something to make her comfortable enough to like want to sit down and, and pick my brain and ask questions about how we talk about God in our home. So that was kind of a derail a little bit, but I feel like the stewardship part of that, it, it, it doesn't just stop like in your home or with the people that you're talking to. So good. Yeah, that's a great example. Well, and I think that really like shows your gift of hospitality that even Andrew was like speaking over you and like encouraging you in because that is like that's a gift. Not everyone can like approach those hard conversations with such grace that you did. And I think that even goes back to like what Paul was saying, like the grace that God's given me for others. Like that's right. a gift, especially for like the non-believer. Like yeah. that is the whole point of spiritual gifting mm -hmm. and like that's incredible. And I think, I don't know, as I was diving into it, I was kind of brought back to first Corinthians, uh, chapter 14, uh, verse 26. And it says, let all things be done for building up. And in that passage, he's talking about and nuancing out just like the differences between like the different spiritual gifts, as far as tongues and prophecy and saying that like, prophecy is what builds others up right and so that's just something that i've been diving into because i've really felt like i don't know in the last several years god has cultivated in me through his spirit just the gift of prophecy and that's just encouraging other people mm -hmm. in like specific ways and ways that i don't know what's going on 
underneath the surface for them. But it's been really cool to just watch and just be like, okay, God, however you want to use that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. No, that's so true about Lauren. Lauren, you are an encourager at heart. And I think, um, I think all of us could probably go around the room and just like tell stories of times where we're like kind of having an off day or whatever. And then we see Lauren and she's just like the (laughs) most encouraging spirit ever. And she's shaking her head like it's not true, but just receive that. Okay. Just receive that. Another Enneagram too. Yes. Yes. So good. Well, and I think you're, you're bringing up the, the point that I think where we're sort of leading, which I absolutely love that the, this is probably uh, totally um, like just a given to the people in the first century, but I think it needs to be stated for us that we are actually a part of a larger whole. And a lot of times we kind of look at our spirituality even with this sort of like individualist sort of twist to it. And so we imagine like our, the gifts of the spirit, the way that we interact with the spirit, it's like for like bettering ourselves or whatever. And there's all kinds of things that the Holy Spirit wants to like do in your heart that's like personal to you. But really, when we talk about the gift of the spirit that God has specifically given you, it's not actually for your own benefit as much as it is for the betterment of everyone else. So it's kind of like this intricate machine or body that's like moving together and working together for for the good of everyone else. Yes. Yeah, exactly. All right. So let's keep going then. So um, the mystery that was made known to me by revelation, as I've already written uh, briefly. So again, so what Paul is doing is he's sort of connecting these two ideas that um, that we talked about at the, at the very beginning of this series, that there's this mystery that's been revealed in Christ. And before we hit play on the podcast or record on the podcast, we were sort of talking about this word mystery. So what, what do you guys have as like a takeaway for that? Like this word mystery, what is the mystery that Paul is talking about? And then how does that relate to our situation? here today yeah um (laughs) one of the things that i found just as i was reading about this that really stood out to me because that word mystery to us is something like really secret and confusing and um but what it's really meaning there uh isn't something that's hidden uh Mm -hmm. and we were talking about the greek word for it yeah how do you say it after you (laughs) (laughs) mysterion mysterion good job yeah um and how that is still a secret but it's not closely guarded it's open um and it's a truth that's hidden from human knowledge or understanding but um and i'm reading this part (laughs) hidden from human knowledge or understanding but now disclosed by the revelation of god and then lauren i loved what you said would you read that quote that you had yeah so as i was just kind of preparing for our conversation today. I was uh, reading a commentary by Warren Wearsby. Um, hopefully I'm saying his last name right. Yeah, I think that's know. right. Yeah. Um, and he was just kind of diving into this uh, verse in verse four. And he said, a mystery is a sacred secret that is unknown to unbelievers, but understood and treasured. I love that mm-hmm. word, like treasured mm-hmm. by the people of God. And so I think that just reiterates exactly what you said, Sierra, of like, this like mystery that's like not mm-hmm. far off for people who right. know and actually like we treasure it. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. That's a gift. Oh man. So yeah, let's drill deeper into that. I love what you girls are saying so far. So th- the thought was like back at the very beginning of this passage or the beginning of the letter rather, like um, Paul says that the mystery about Christ has been revealed, that he's uniting heaven and earth together. And then he's slowly like sort of peeling back the layers on this mystery. It's like multi 
multifaceted and it's a really deep sort of an idea. And then, and then, as you know, we've been talking all about throughout this series about the unity of the church, these two groups becoming one, the Jews and the Gentiles becoming one in Christ. It's sort of like a foreshadowing of this larger mystery that's being revealed in Christ in that at the end of this age and at the beginning of uh, the, the age to come, God is reuniting all things in heaven and earth. So we're sort of like this prophetic sort of community in the in-between, in the present, and we're seeing like the unity of the church beginning to actually inform this mystery that's being unfolded in Christ. Yeah, yeah. Well, and I think as you were even saying that, it like finally clicked for me right before you like made that comparison slowly. Like it's just like a simultaneous you know, unification of the church. Yes. You know, we we talked a couple of weeks back, you had said like the parallel for this in our time is like Demo- Democrats and Republicans yeah. like coming together as yes. one, how wild that seems to us. Like right. that's how crazy this would be to the first century church. And so as we are simultaneously pursuing unification with one another as a body, like how much more is Jesus ready to come, you know, right. in fullness uh, in the age to come. So yeah, yeah, that's good. Yeah, no, that's that's exactly right. So we kind of need to talk a little bit about that. We need to talk about the, the family of God and how we really are united. And that, so what is it, what, what does that sort of inform as we talk about a broken relationship in the church? What, what uh, like even just relationships with other churches in our, in our town and in our city. I mean, I think it's so easy to sort of fall in the way of the world to just kind of follow in the patterns of this world where um, we, we experience broken relationship and, but, but if this is true, if this mystery that we're talking about is, is true about us, then we really need to be united as one family. So how do we do that? That's the big question. How do we how do we walk in unity and live into unity as a church? I think a big piece of it is just like going back to the start of what we were talking about. The first step is to internalize like your place in the story and like the truth yeah. about who God says you are. Yeah. And then from there, you're able to kind of play your role in the body. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's where you'll be the most, you'll flourish mm-hmm. um, and you'll be able to help others flourish too. But if you don't know your place, then you're probably going to be not very confident and not able to really support others either. So yeah, yeah I think great. that was really great. <laughs> Thank you. you. Um, I think that if we're all using the same book, and we're talking, we're all talking about the greatest love story that we are a part of and actively yeah. living out, Come on. then that's where you start, right? Yeah. And then I also think it's, I these days people want to argue and they want to drive yeah. their point home yes. and they want to yes. use this platform for their glory, not for the audience of one. They want to do it for audiences of a thousand or millions if you use social media platforms. Right. However, if we can all just apply this love story in love and model the love that that is being written about that God desires, then I think we can be unified regardless of how we hear one word because we can go to bat for one word. Yeah. And where's the love in that if it ends in anger and brokenness? Totally. I so appreciate that, Brittany, because I mean, full honesty, like as a like an early a guy in his early 20s when I was like leading churches and stuff like that I I was one of those people who wanted to sort of like get into 
argument and theological debate and stuff like that. And I so regret so many of those conversations. I don't even remember the points that I was arguing for as much as I just remember the tone and the attitude in those conversations. I really regret that. So I want to go back and and uh, sort of like say, man, I think I think we had it wrong. And what you guys have been alluding to is just like we need to know. And 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 this is Paul's point too. like we know the beginning and we know the end. Right. We know the beginning. The beginning is that the one who unifies us is Jesus. He went to the cross while we were, were his enemy and he showed us what enemy love looks like. And so therefore, there is nothing that should keep us apart from one another because by, we've all been saved by the same one, like by Jesus. And like we learned about last week, he's the chief cornerstone. So that's like the beginning point that a couple of you were mentioning. But then the, the, we also know the ending. We know the end game, right? That's the whole point of this mystery of Christ being revealed. Paul is saying like, hey, let me like like fast forward to the last chapter here and tell you what's going to happen. Jesus is returning in all of his authority and all of his power, and he is uniting all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. So it's sort of like, if that's where we know the story is going, going, it sort of reprioritizes how we even look at unity, being right in the small things or whatever, the things that we ten, tend to like pay close attention to. Maybe those don't matter as much if what we really need to be doing is playing our part in this sort of unfolding drama of Jesus' victory here on the earth. Right. Well, and I think this is even just a foreshadow to what you're, I'm imagining, going to dive into in chapter four yes, yes. of speaking the truth in love, yeah. like Ephesians 4, yeah. oh, 15. Yes. <laughs> uh, rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ. And I think like it just goes back to what you were saying, Brittany, of like, how hard will we argue a point? But like if we don't have love, no unity can be accomplished. Yeah, yeah, it was that's right. really cool. Even just a quick side story. Me yeah. and Sierra had the privilege of going to Phoenix yeah. uh, for the Alpha Conference a yeah. few months ago. And like, it was an incredible space where like there was just unity from people of all different denominations, different denominations coming together and like from Catholic to Protestant, like seeing people pray for one another with different beliefs. Like it didn't matter because the sole like foundation of the whole thing was love and accomplishing the gospel on earth. So that was like so cool to tangibly see. Yeah. So powerful. Yeah. That's so, that's so great. And, and again, I think that's exactly the spirit of this passage. And remember Paul is like, we, we are assuming from all of the contextual evidence that we have here in Ephesians, in Ephesians, in particular chapter two, two and three, that the Jews and the Gentiles aren't getting along. And that's one of the reasons why he's having to write this letter. So he's wanting to give us this deeper understanding of exactly what you're talking about. Hey, we are different in all kinds of ways. And I want to talk to you guys about that in a second. But um, different in all, all kinds of ways, but we, are all, we all have the same mission. That's the thing that aligns us is we have the same mission. Um, and so, and, and I just, I, I, I wish that that were more a part of this conversation, in particular as it relates to other, other churches in our area. And I've been really encouraged lately because over the last couple of years, we've, we've just only barely had relationships with some of the, of the other churches in town um, because there hasn't really been a really strong pastoral network. But in the last nine months to a year, there's been all kinds of conversation that's happening. I'm super, super grateful because now I have deeper relationships with some of the pastors down the road 
road from us. And um, yeah, we nuance the gospel in different ways. And yes, we're actually approaching the mission a little bit differently. But I'm so grateful that there are these expressions that are different from us that we can actually both learn from and applaud. And then we can say, hey, by the way, we're, we have a, a, like this very particular way that the Lord is calling us to like work out the mission that he gave us. And we get to sort of freely do that because there's churches kind of close to us that are doing some really awesome things a little bit differently. And uh, so I, I, I absolutely love that. I love the Alpha example, too, of just like historically, man, like the Roman Catholic Church um, has so many things that we would probably, if we walked into a Roman Catholic Church, we would we would probably have all kinds of questions and, and, and definitely we would, yeah, yeah, critiques maybe, definitely probably disagree on some things. Um, but... Um, but we can actually see we're united in bringing people to Jesus. And that's what is a cool thing about what Alpha does. So let's then like talk about then seeing some of these differences. The fact that some of us are Jews, some of us are Gentiles, or in more maybe modern terms, we have uh, opposing like political views and we have different like leanings and bends. We've already talked about this today. Like, Brittany, you have a different skill set. You have a different gifting from the spirit than I have. And so how do we see our differences as a positive rather than as something that pulls us apart? The first thing that comes to my mind is related to the Alpha Conference, actually, when they were talking about racial inequality. Oh, yeah. Um, and one of the points that they really drove was like, I don't want you to not see my color. It's just that thing where for a while it was the thing of like, I don't, I'm colorblind. And yeah, that's obviously such a complex topic, but that's what comes to mind for me of like, acknowledging the differences in one another and the beauty in that um and being able to agree to disagree on some things um but to love each other well and not to just not in a passive way of like just being agreeable um but in a way of like okay I see that and like how can i learn from that like you're saying andrew right even with different churches so yeah yeah and i think it's our responsibility to again i'm a mom in this room is to model that love because they go to school it's an election year too, right? Yeah. So they go to school and it's all about what President Trump's doing wrong or right or like who is wearing a skirt that shouldn't be or whatever. Oh, sure, you know sure. what I mean? And it's all these big conversations that I'm having with growing minds. Right. Um, the girls. And so again, it's approaching it in love and right. talking about Jesus created that person for a very specific purpose and we get the honor like it's an honor to love them well and show them who jesus is by how we act and so i i say like oh, i have to dumb it down would be the wrong way to say that but that's the quickest thing i can think of but it's not dumb because we have to remind ourselves that very same thing as much as we have to remind you know 80 year olds the same thing so Okay. Yeah. Thank you so much. So let's keep moving. We Let's go to verses five and six. Uh, actually, let's back up to verse four. In reading this, then you'll be able to understand my insight into the mystery of Christ. And that's sort of what we've been talking about, that as the layers are being pulled back, as we like go deeper into this and we have revelation from the Spirit of God, we realize what Jesus is doing on the earth and then what's coming in the age to come. Verse five, which has not been made known to people in other generations as it has now been revealed by the Spirit to God's holy apostles and prophets. This mystery is that through the gospel, the Gentiles are heirs together with Israel, members together of one body, and sharers together in the promise of Christ Jesus. 
Man, okay, so that's so good. We've covered some of that, but then verse six, I love what it says there about us as Gentiles becoming heirs with Israel. Like what is significant to you about that? The first thing that I thought of, well, us being kind of the Gentiles, um, but looking at it from both sides as like adding, like in this case, additional heirs doesn't mean less to give, like less to go around. So I've just been thinking a lot lately about having a mindset of abundance and generosity in this time. And um, so, yeah, that's what stood out to me was like fellow heirs to this promise in the kingdom of God, because there's enough to go around and like the Mm -hmm. more heirs there are, the better it becomes um, rather than kind of like the worldly side of it would be like more airs like there's less for me um it's really just the opposite of that so that's what i thought of Mm, so good yeah well and like correct me if i'm wrong too but something that this kind of brings to my mind is like this was god's original plan from the beginning right it was never supposed to be like separate parts of his creation like warring against each other and only one part gets the inheritance and the other half you know good luck out there. (laughs) Like they don't really get anything. Um, and so I think just to me, it's an experience that we get to have on this side of history, um, since like the coming of Christ. And really it's just living out like the intention that God had all along, you know? Oh, absolutely. In fact, you know, we sort of have the benefit of looking back and being able to see the whole biblical story, but definitely in the first century when Paul is writing and even Paul, before he became a Jesus follower, didn't understand this and didn't under, didn't really get this. But if you go back to Genesis chapter 12, so this is going way back in the biblical story where God actually calls the nation of Israel to be this chosen people. The whole idea is that they would be blessed to be a blessing, which of course is super uh, biblical language or whatever that we may not use in our everyday. But the idea is that God is choosing Abraham and his family not to like hoard the blessing of God for themselves, but to actually like spread the goodness of God, spread the pre- even the presence of God to the rest of all creation. And we know the story of the Old Testament. They sort of get it right sometimes and get it wrong at other times. But at the time of the first century, like the, like the fullness of that is realized when Jesus comes, dies on the cross, and then makes a way not just for Israel to enter into the presence of God again, but all, all nations. And then you have the closing image of the Bible is this large worshiping community of from every tribe, tongue, and nation who are like worshiping Jesus. So there's like the fullness of this vision, which kind of brings us to the point that you were making a minute ago, Sierra, that um, that the family of God is not just one race. And we sort of have these very like, um, I don't know, um, compartmentalized communities where we have like Oh, this over here is like an older, more fundamentalist church. This church over here is, is like, oh, that's the African-American church. And then there's the, like the Latino churches. And then there's like the like white bread, you know, churches like Riverbed, which are like 90 percent, uh, 90 percent plus white or whatever. Um, but but the reality is, is that we are all a part of the same family of God and we are all heirs with Israel. So brothers and sisters, and we that we have a lot that's not in common, but the thing that we have in common is Jesus, and so therefore we are all a part of that amazing multi-ethnic family. It's yeah. beautiful. Yeah. I like the message version. I read out of NLT or NIV, but the message, though, sometimes I like it because it's more of a conversation. Mm-hmm. No, no, that's great. I love it. <laughs> no, but it says the mystery is that people who have never heard of God and those who have heard of him all their lives stand on the same ground before God. They get the same offer, same help, same promises in Christ Jesus. Mm-hmm. Again, similar to what you were talking about. It's not some or 
of this, yeah. some of that. It's not a la carte. It's sure. all of it. Ooh. Right. Ooh. <laughs> there you go. Trademark. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's a hashtag right there. Yeah. So, and you bring up a great point. Um, the last part of this, this verse about sharers together in the promise of Christ Jesus. So we have the same access to the promise of Christ as anyone else. So it's all sort of equal footing at the cross. But let's talk about that, the promise. In particular right now, just thinking about everyone at Riverbend at home doing the living room liturgy right now and just um, not in our usual way. We need to like anchor our hope in the promise of God. So what is the promise of God and how can we like internalize that today? I think it's God with us. Like Emmanuel. For me, like what that looks like is like, truly in this space where we are home and kind of working and doing our own thing like in our own confined spaces like recognizing that i'm not actually alone like actually the spirit of god is dwelling not only within me but beside me and behind me and uh, in front of me like he is all surrounding and so i think like in this space practicing the promise of god with us um looks like spending time with him yeah you know come on and so that's like a practical like what do we do with it but i think that just to answer your question of like what even is the promise of of christ like that is it yeah that's kind of like the the whole like what you're saying lauren is the whole sort of grand narrative of the scripture is talking about how we get back into relationship with god like he imagined and had in mind from the very beginning and so, um, yeah, that's when now that we have Jesus and we've committed our lives to him, we have this unique, uh, intimate friendship relationship with him. And so the, the, the primary task of the Jesus follower is to just uh, sit in that and to know that about ourselves, that we have this promise of God and to turn our minds and our hearts to God as much as humanly possible, just so that we can enjoy him and his divine hospitality. Yeah. Yeah, what else do you guys see there about the promise of God? Yeah, one thing that comes to mind for me is just that um, God doesn't hide his will from his children. So I know for me, sometimes I can struggle with this idea of like, I'm searching and I'm striving and like, what is it, God? And Lauren, it's exactly what you just said. Like, God with us, like, just take me where you go. And like, we're doing this together and it's harmony and unity and um, so we really overcomplicate things yeah. um, when we just play the guessing game yeah. and we can just look at scripture and see exactly what you guys are saying, yeah. that his will is just to be with us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think that something that's been important for me to remember is that being at home is feeding my introversion self, right, which right, I love. Right. However, um, I found that, I mean, it's be, it's reminding myself there's no there's lack of people and like my closeness physically mm-hmm. to people, but there's no lack of joy. There's no lack of time with him. There's no lack of trials. Even I was reading about that. There's, mm-hmm. there's trials and the, and it's walking through that with my mom who had to close her shop in Portland. So it's reminding her like that God, I mean, is with her and it's hard for her to internalize that. But my job is to continually model that and remind her of that. And so, um, yeah, we're lacking nothing though. It might feel somewhat isolating to some people. I was actually pretty surprised and encouraged by how many people responded to our closure at first when the ban for 250 people, um, like when that whole thing happened, 
And I was encouraged because it was exciting to me how many people really wanted that connection. But then, of course, we know the story unfolded every hour Mm -hmm. of changes. So God has shown up in huge ways in your leadership, Andrew, and your gift of teaching. And just we sat here, went to the drawing board and we're like, here's what we're going to do. This is Mm -hmm. this city is God's church Mm -hmm. like us zooming each other is God's church. Like my kids getting to see what we do is God's church. And so that's been the most encouraging thing in this trial, I guess. Um, And then getting to know moving forward with my brothers and sisters here, Mm -hmm. if something were to happen like this again, Mm -hmm. I feel like I've grown Mm -hmm. so much and received so much from God in Mm -hmm. that, that I can move forward to Mm -hmm. like, to lead my family well Mm -hmm. when more trials Mm -hmm. come about. So, Wow, that's so good. Thank you guys so much for sharing. I think that's as good of a place as any to end. We're going to move into a time of response now. But before we do that, I just want to say thank you to the three of you for being a part of this conversation. I'm so glad that Riverbend gets to hear your guys' voices uh, and gets to hear the wisdom that he's deposited in you. So thank you so much. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, thanks, guys. All right, so let's move into just a time of response. And remember that what we just left off with was that we have the promise of God is that that God is with us. And because we now follow Jesus, we have access to the presence of Jesus at all times. And so whatever you need to do to sort of get your heart and mind prepared and ready to respond to this gift of the promise of God, Let's do that, and then let's just have a time of prayer. So, Father, we just want to say thank you so much for the promise that we have in your son, Jesus. And I just pray for all of my sisters and brothers, in Jesus' name, as we gather in our various living rooms around the city of Bend and Redmond and Central Oregon, we want to fully lay hold of this promise. Everything you say we can have, we want to have it. So when you say that you, we have access to your spirit, and we have access to your presence, we have friendship with you, we have life with you, we have intimacy with you, we want it. We want all that we can possibly handle of you. And so right now, in Jesus' name, I pray that you would just come. Come, Holy Spirit. Bring your peace. Bring your hope. And just help us to have a brand new revelation of you that this mystery of you being revealed to us, God, would just continue to be sort of unfolded for us. We love you, and we respond as your people. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So now what we're going to do is uh, move to a time of communion. And so there you should have in your living room liturgy just sort of a meditation uh, to go through the bread and the cup. And in theory, we're all doing this together across the city all at the same time. We hope you have a phenomenal week. Don't forget about Zooming in for prayer times. And um, just let us know if there's anything that we can do to serve you. We love you. And we'll see you hopefully really soon.